Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. All right. So apparently, looks like I was on mute the whole time. Um, oh. I do apologize. About, I do apologize about that, guys. Um, for all my listeners, I just want to say I am from Atlanta, Georgia. I am broadcasting from the comforts of my home, and I have my key. And if you want to catch any of my archives, you can at www.brightsidewithck.com. And if you listen to the replay, please make sure you share it with your friends. I have the pleasure to sit right here and be talking with a wonderful, lovely lady named Shelly Scandrani, who was born in Tel Aviv, Israel, and she grew up in London and is often described as a mixture of Israeli passion and British refinement. She also has co-starred in Showtime's popular Holocaust film, The Devil's Arithmetic, starring Christian, Kirsten Dust and Brittany Murphy. And now I'm having the pleasure to be able to talk to her about her new upcoming project, a new talk show that she has out, and it's flaming hot. Her passion, what it's like to be an immigrant who's looking to live the American dream. <laughs> so I apologize about that. I thought it was a technical problem. I was like, wait a minute, we can't be having technical issues. I did everything correctly, but I was <laughs> on mute. So I apologize. <laughs> Shelly, I want to thank you for being here with me today, taking out your time to thank do this you. interview. Thank you for You're having so me. You're so welcome. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I never actually seen I never actually seen the film The Devil's Arithmetic, but I heard that it was so good. And then we have great actors or actors starring in it, and um, Brittany Murphy was one of them. Um, she was a great yeah. actress. And sorry that we had to lose a soul at a young age, but I loved most yeah. of all her films that she played in. Um, now this spring. You're set to star as Astrid, which is the all indecisive woman who can't get her life together in the indie feature film, Phoning It In. What exactly is this film going to be all about? Um, this, I mean, there's only so much I can say. Um, but basically the idea is, you know, we live in a society where there's just so many choices to be made, and sometimes it's overwhelming. And um, Astrid has been through you know, has gone through a childhood trauma that has really um, stopped her from being able to progress into um, adulthood in a kind of mature and healthy way. And so she can't really make decisions and her life is at a standstill. Um, and, you know, someone comes along and, and helps her kind of work through that. And it's, it's you know, it's going to be romantic and, it's, you know, it's a drama, but there's, it's, a, it's got a lot of light and comedic elements to it. Um, it's really actually very exciting because I, I, I love doing, first of all, I love that, you know, the industry is opening up to uh, female leads and women's stories right now, you know, and a lot of um, scripts that maybe 
a year ago, you know, would have been passed upon, even though they were great scripts. I remember like two years ago, um, a producer friend of mine said to me, well, you know, Shelly, the problem is, is that you can't get a movie funded if it doesn't have a male lead. Um, you know, not like, you know, maybe some a huge studio film um, can be funded, but not the indies because it's too much of a risk. Um, and suddenly today the conversation has changed and there's so many opportunities for uh, actresses to shine and the stories are different. It used to be that, you know, I'd go into an audition and I'd be playing the girlfriend of or the lover of and my role was kind of limited to, you know, what I could do with it because I was really just serving the purpose of the male lead. And suddenly, you know, all these roles are being written and all these films are being made where, you know, women have their own personalities and their own agendas and their own wants and their own dreams. And I I just think it's really exciting. And I'm really happy to be working on this film that's coming up. I am too, because you're an amazing woman, and I'm glad that you're able to show your skills throughout this film, because as you said, it's hard for us women to have these masculine roles while being judged, or or if we're a lesbian, or you want to just give me this little cutesy role, and that's, that's not the way it is, and it made me think of Viola Davis when she starred in... Um, Oh, why I can't think of the movie. I, I could see it in my mind, but I can't think of it. But she basically said she was tired of playing as as a housekeeper. She didn't want to do something again like the help. Okay, that's kind of, it's getting a little old now. I played that. Let's move on. Give me some more roles such as right. dance. Yeah. Right. So I, I definitely understand. And even in this society, I don't know why we as women were limited to doing such things. They um, males always put us in this little box. I don't even want to think about the box. I I want to be outside of the whole box. I want to do me. Well, so that's I, the I'm thing. glad to. Why? Let, let me let me tell you that um, I, I hate to say this, and I, I hope that your viewers aren't going to hate me for saying this, but it's not like that in Europe. <laughs> I mean, I feel like um, the roles are different. And I came here not understanding what the box is. I didn't know the box existed. I wasn't aware of it. <laughs> and I was having conversations, and people would look at me strangely because, you know, I was opinionated and strong. And, and you know, and I, I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to be cute or I wasn't trying to, you know, kind of make myself uh, digestible to anybody. And it took me a while to even understand why that was so strange to people. I, it was like I was an wow. alien, you know. Um, and then I understood it, you know, and then I understood what was happening. And and it's not, I mean, women have, you know, women's issues are all over the world in different aspects. Every country has it. Um, but, I mean, I can definitely say that there's more female CEOs in Israel than there are in America. The percentage is much higher. Um, and And it took me a minute to understand that. And now that I'm in it, um, I'm actually proud to be part of the movement to change that. You know, I feel like it's an extra calling that I have as an actress. Because obviously what we portray, I mean, that's the thing about films. People watch a movie, and what's portrayed in movies is what eventually helps shape what people think. You know, and if you look at, yeah. um, if you look at films where, where all the women are, are just specific roles or housewives or, 
you know, they have a specific role in society, then that's, that's where a little girl is going to look and she's going to say, hey, that's, that's what I'm going to be when I grow up. But if you look at a film where all the scientists are women, maybe a little girl is going to look at that and say, hey, I want to be a scientist or I want to be a CEO or I want to be a businesswoman or I want to be, you know? Right. So, so I, I really think that that films help help to shape our perception, and I and I'm glad to be a part of of something like that. I know. Here, here, I can agree with you on that. With women who are being treated better than a second, than as they like to put it, as a second class citizen. So, Shelley, what got you started into film, anyhow? Um, well, I think. Started my acting um, in theater uh, when I was a kid in London, um, and so kind of I rolled into film. It, it, you know, it wasn't. I just I loved theater. I still love theater um, in Los Angeles. I just there's you know it's less of a theater town. It's more of a film town. Um, but for me, theater was magic. You know, as a nine year old, everybody was so interesting and strange and exotic and wonderful and. You know, it's almost like you see, you know, when you see movies about joining the circus, <laughs> you know, like the greatest showman. They were all these wonderful people, and it was just really exciting, and I felt like I could, you know, learn about myself. And also I wasn't treated like kids. You know, I was part of, of the cast, so I was talked to differently, and, you know, no one talked down to me, and it was just this wonderful thing. Um, and then, you know, as I got more and more involved, I did, like, two productions a year, which is, like, I mean, it's two, two theater productions a year is a lot because there's about three months of rehearsals and about a month or a month and a half of performances. So, I mean, if you think about it, I spent like eight to nine months out of the year in my theater, um, which is quite a lot of dedication. And then my acting teacher um, heard about this audition for a film, um, and it was actually a different film. It was called The Lovers, um, and it was about... Um, it's based on a, a, a novel and it was about uh, a husband and wife where each have an affair and then the daughter who's young falls in love, you know, forbidden love with, with a boy. Um, that's why it's called the lover because everybody in their own way has kind of a lover. Um, obviously, you know, she's a child, nothing actually happened, but, you know, she's in love for the first time. And I got the role. And then uh, I was living in London at the time, and um, my dad, you know, found a really good um, agent for me. And the, a week, I mean, and it, you know, we're talking about audition and another audition and a meeting then, uh, you know, talking to producers, talking to directors, I mean, because it was one of the lead roles. Um, and then wow. I, I got the role, and uh, I get called into my agent's office, and she tells me I've got good news and bad news. <clears throat> And I said, okay, what's the bad news? She goes, well, they're filming, they're filming the film in Italy, and we couldn't, put, we couldn't get your work permit through, so you won't be able to do the role. Oh no! So I sat, yeah, I sat there in shock. Like after months, we're talking months of meetings and rehearsals, it fell through um, because of a work visa, you know, and. Um, and I said, okay, so what's the good news? She goes, well, I have an audition for another film. And oh, awesome. <laughs> this is the glory of being young. Um, I looked at her and I said, okay, well, I'll just get that one then. <laughs> like I had no fear of not getting this role. 
Um, and I went and auditioned, and it was The Devil's Arithmetic. And it ended up being a much bigger production than the first film that I was going to do because, you know, Kristen Dunst and Brittany Murphy and, you know, Dustin Hoffman and Mimi Rogers produced it and Showtime and all that jazz. Um, and ultimately, I think that film was a bigger gateway to me coming to America than the other film would have been. Um, but it was funny that it, it came out of the fact that something else fell through. I mean, that's the way it is in life. Sometimes, you know, you don't see the bigger picture and something doesn't happen and you get upset about it. And I mean, luckily in this meeting, I got the good news at the same time that I got the bad news. But I could have also said, well, what if I don't get this role? What if I, you know, I already did all these auditions and now it's fallen through. What if this is going to fall through? And I could have self-sabotaged. But of course, when you're 16, you're hopeful. So I went into the audition, you know, bright and hopeful and and I got the part so yeah that's how I got my first uh, film role yeah it is amazing how one door shuts and then another one opens right up and there you go right exactly but I think it's like that in life and oftentimes we don't know that's going to happen so we kind of um, you know lose hope before that door opens and then once it's open we don't even see it because we've lost hope. And I think it's really important to constantly kind of trust in the universe that it's going to happen because eventually it will, you know? Right. And that's why I'll never question. I don't, I don't question whatever happens. It happens. Sometimes we don't know. And we, we wonder why is this happening to me? But it's always, my mother always told me and I stand by that to this day. It's a reason for everything. It sure is. And that was your reason. That didn't want you to have that. That's what it was. They say, hey, there go a devil's arithmetic. There go my. There goes your opportunity, Shelly. There you go. You off now, baby. Yeah. Now, Shelly, been in this film lifestyle. What would you say is the biggest risk you taken that you feel has actually paid off? A risk in my career. Ooh, What's yes. the biggest risk that I've taken. Well, I mean, the devil's arithmetic was a risk. Um, was one risk because um, I have to shave my head <laughs> on camera. Oh, oh yeah. no! So yeah, so I mean, going in, I had to sign, you know, I had to sign the paperwork saying that when it comes down to it, there. And I had very long hair, um, you know, all the way down to my belly button, and I had to cut it all off at sixteen. So that was that was quite a risk, but it definitely paid off because first of all, the scene itself is phenomenal. It's very powerful, and I really connect to that to that scene because you know she really the character. It's her wedding day, and she gets taken by these soldiers. Um, you know they come to her wedding on the the happiest day of her life, and take her and all her guests and the whole village in trucks to concentration camps, and then the same day strip her off her clothing, put her into these kind of camp clothes, tattoo her and shave her head. So, I mean, mm-hmm. to go from this beautiful, glorious day to this moment where your dignity is being stripped from you and all hope is being stripped from you, I thought it was an incredibly powerful and important story to tell because that's what people live through. Um, and shaving my head allowed for that because they could really see, you know, my character's arc of the bride that looks now that looks like this, that's been shattered. So that was one risk. Um, and also 
coming to America was a big risk, you know. Um, and you know, I had I I already had, uh, you know, a, a career in Israel at the time, a big theater career, and I was getting into film and TV again, and uh, things were really moving, and I was with the top agency. And I remember when I came to my agent, I said I want to move to America, and she said, she told me I was crazy. Said, like you know, look look at how your career is moving forward. You know, you can't leave now. And I said, but but my dream is to be on a bigger stage. Right now, you know, everything that I do is in Israel is going to be seen by people in, in Israel, but I want to, I want to reach the world and I want to, you know, tell stories that, that affect people and I want to co- go to America. And that was a big risk and, you know, and it's been hard to culturally, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm different, obviously. Um, it took me a while to get used to the culture, uh, to the style of how people behave, you know, the mentality you know, because coming as an Israeli, I'm very kind of open and I speak my mind and sometimes people don't like that. And sometimes, you know, growing up in London makes me a little bit shy and sometimes people don't like that. So there were aspects of, of, of learning that. And now that's paying off because, you know, now I'm in a position where I can, you know, reach a larger audience. And now there's the whole Me Too movement. So there's more room for women who are like me, you know, who are opinionated and strong and who who want to tell the story of from a woman's perspective, and I feel like really the universe is opening up right now. Um, so it was a big risk, and it actually took a, a long time for it to truly start paying off. But now it is, and I'm really glad that I took that risk. And that's what life is all about. You have to get out there and step out on faith and take those risks that we don't want to take. That's the only way. Get out your comfort right. zone, as my mentor would like to call it. That's getting out your comfort zone. Right. That's what we have to do. Now, out of all the films, I know these films that you have played, and what other kind of roles have you performed throughout your career? Oof. Oh, I've done so many. Um, are you thinking in film or in theater? What are you interested in? Um, Probably film. So, okay. Well, I've done a lot of comedy. So, <clears throat> up until now, we've spoken about dramas. Um, I just I was just, uh, I had a little uh, recurring co-star role on Transparent um, as this girl from, this woman from the 80s um, in in a commercial. It was very funny. Um, I I was in a film called uh, Fruit of the Fungus, and I was playing like a Latina. I actually, my my family, because I'm Jewish, my family comes from Turkish, from Turkey, and um, in Turkey, all the Jews are actually Spanish, so my whole family speaks Spanish. Um, so I do play uh, Latina roles oftentimes um, because I speak Spanish. Um, I've played I played this in the film Seagate, which is actually a film that went to Cannes. I played this kind of tough Israeli um, woman who just like finished the army, and I meet this uh, American girl who's like a peace activist at the airport as I'm you know as I'm just arriving in America to, to travel. And uh, and it's like a really interesting anti-war film where, you know, you have this peace activist thinking that, you know, oh, here's a soldier. She must be, you know, really aggressive and pro-war. And actually you're seeing it from the perspective of a soldier that has PTSD and, you know, wanted to serve her country but really didn't want to be in the war. And so you're just seeing how kind of war affects all sides in a negative way um, and that there really aren't any winners in, in war. Um, so I think that's a really important film. 
Um, I, I did a film when I was in India. Um, I did a film called Shaitan. So I've done a lot of different uh, types of roles. I love comedies. I played a spy in a little miniseries uh, called Lies, where I got to use a lot of my different accents. Um, because part of what she does is, you know, you never really know is she British, American, Russian, French. Every every scene, it's it's a different. Every person she speaks to, she speaks to with a different accent because it's her different persona. And I really enjoyed doing that because there was a lot of. Um, it was like a kind of. It was like a like a more kind of clean and. Um, deadpan kind of acting, with a lot of action. Um, I'd love to do more action, to be honest. I'd love to do some sci-fi as well. Um, but I'm really, you know, I came to America and I did some comedy improv when I first got here um, because in Israel I was doing a lot of dramas, even though in London beforehand I was doing a lot of comedies. And when I came to um, America, I wanted to kind of get in touch with my comedic side again. And I've just done so many comedies since then. And it's really great. I love comedy. Shelly, okay. Now we got Shelly back on, okay. Call her. Hey, what happened? That's all right. I don't know, Shelly. It looked like the call ended up dropping, but we got you back on. Oh, which is good. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know I how think... much of that you heard. I was just talking and talking. <laughs> right, and I think I heard every I heard every bit of it and then all of a sudden it ended up dropping and I was um <laughs> And I think by the time it dropped, I was telling you that I really love the fact of, I do love comedy, and I right. love my action films. And I don't really think I have actually seen a good sci-fi movie uh, produced yet. I haven't been seeing them do any sci-fi movies lately, unless I've been missing them. Um, and I just, I love horror. I could watch horror movies all day. You give me a good oh, horror really? movie, I, I will watch I can't. Yeah. I cannot watch oh, horror movies. Yes. I have such a wimp. I get nightmares. I can't watch them. Oh, I so just funny. love I I do. I love the idea of knowing that I'm gonna be scared without me knowing what's gonna happen next. I love I love that scene and uh traditionally every <laughs> Halloween I gotta watch my Halloween, my Friday thirteenth, Freddy. It's like it's like my little classic wow. collection. Good for you. I, do. I, I can't. I mean, I I'm a wimp. I mean, I remember my friends <laughs> did this film. It's called us. Like, there's oh, every time my friends do a horror and I have to go see a screening, I'll go and then in the scary part, I I'll just go to the bathroom and they'll be like, "You missed the best part." I'm like, "You know, I can't do horror. I can't." Just such a wimp. <laughs> Actually, like, well, I, I wouldn't mind acting in a horror. I actually acted in one. Uh, it's called Nine Ways to Hell. Um, it's, being, oh, uh, it's in post-production right now. Um, it's, a, right. it's a compilation. It's, a, it's, a, it's nine different directors that write and direct a specific uh, segment, and it's based on Dante's Inferno. So each segment is based on a different level of hell. Um, and oh, I was in the one that's fraud. I was the lead in, in one of the segments. So I don't mind acting in horror. In fact, I'm really good at acting in horror because all you really have to do is, like, you just literally watch boo, it. and I'm already scared. Like, <laughs> you literally, like, you can get me scared so easily that actually I'd be, I'm a great horror actress. I, just, I don't know that I'm going to be able to see the film afterwards. <laughs> That's all. Why? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if I can watch this when it's done. 
Yeah, but, you might not be able to. It's a little and, scary. And I believe I believe I'll be vice versa of that, Shelly. I can watch I can watch <laughs> them all day, but I don't think I could star in them. Even though I know it would be unrealistic. I know that this person is wearing a mask. It's just the thought of it that hey, you trust me with this big old knife. Like I don't think I could play in Friday thirteen. Like if they would have had me in Friday, I'd be like, Nope, I'm done. <laughs> nope. Nope. I can't do it. He chased me with a knife. I he chased me with a machete. I can't do it. Nope. Cut just cut the line. Please cut the line. Just, just go ahead and cut it. <laughs> but Shelly, you mentioned that you also you act in theater to place too. How different is it to act in a movie from theater to place? Well, it's just completely different. It's like a completely different species. It really is. Um, I feel, you know, if I'm honest, that um, that theater is an actor's medium, um, right. whereas film is a, is a director's medium. Um, okay. When you when you are in a theater production, first of all, you have months of rehearsal. Months. You know, you know. Oftentimes, when I've worked on films here, they'll either do like a day or two rehearsals. Sometimes they don't even rehearse at all, which I, you know, it's it's hard because you meet your co-star on set. You know, and and you have to have chemistry and intimacy and you know and you have to have a relationship and you've literally just met which is hard um but the thing that's beautiful about theater is that once you've done the rehearsal and somebody's done your costume and the music and the lighting and the directing and all of this has come together what's left is you in front of 500 people and it's just you and them nobody can then edit your performance no one can then decide how you do it. And you have to be in the moment. And, of course, there's a lot more pressure because, you know, it's a three-hour play. You have to remember all your lines. You have to know what you're doing. You have to be in the moment. You have to connect to the emotion. There's no second take. If you missed it, then you missed it because you can't say, hang on a minute, audience. I'm just going to go back and do that one more time. You know, so there's yeah. that pressure, but then, but then there's also this beautiful adrenaline, and then also usually, when you're acting on the stage, usually the really heavy, dramatic, or really funny, crazy stuff happens towards the end of the play. So you have this whole hour where you're building up, where you're warming up, where you're getting yourself in that space for that big finale. Whereas when you're, you know, on the set. Sometimes you'll shoot the the hardest scene on the first day, or it might not be the first day. It might be after a week, but you'll wake up in the morning. It's the first thing you do, and you have to be able to go from zero to 60 in a second. They're like, okay, cry. And it's like, okay, cry right now? Yeah, cry. Action, cry. (laughs) Oh, wow. They each have, yeah, they each have their different, um, I guess, um, challenges. You know, the challenge of theater is that you have to be able to be in the moment and bring all that power and charisma for two whole hours nonstop, you know, um, whereas with film you get to cut and retake. But then on the other hand, with film, you know, you have to be able to bring it at any given moment without a buildup. But what I love about theater is that you get to connect with your audience, which you don't get to do in film. 
In film, well, it all goes into a camera. Right. Sorry? Say, yeah, because you get to see. You're, you can probably can't just stare directly at them, but you know that they are there. They're watching you. Feel you. It. you feel right. it. You, you feel, feel the it. energy. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's, a, there's a connection. And also, here's a nice thing that people don't realize about theater. When you're doing a film and you're dancing at a party, there's no music. When you see a, a dramatic scene in a film and you have that beautiful, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, violin or guitar or whatever it is that's creating this beautiful emotion as you're seeing the character fall apart, that character didn't get to listen to that music. That character had to bring it from nowhere. Whereas when you're on a stage, that music is there with you as you're acting. So you get to experience that external emotion and it helps, you know, it kind of pushes you forward um, and it supports you. The music, the lighting, it's all there. Um, I I think theater Mm -hmm. is beautiful. Theater is like, uh, you know, be there in the moment. Um, But the reason why I ultimately um, moved more into film than theater is because theater on a, you know, I I did theater for 17 years and eventually it it gets hard because as opposed to when you're making a film um mm-hmm. you know you do you do the scene 5 6 7 times and then another angle and then another angle you work on a specific scene a day maybe two and then you move on when you're doing theater and you're doing performances night after night you could be doing the same performance 60, 70, 100 times. And the first mm. time, it's fresh. And the first right. 20 times, it's fresh. But after 20 times, it's really hard for it to be fresh. And then you have to really start digging and, like, opening up old wounds and trying to figure out how to bring it fresh every time. So in a way, it, right. it like, it affects you on a deeper level and it, it affects your daily life, whereas film and then you do a different project. You don't do the same play for two years. You know, right, you don't you do the on. same. Right. You move on. You travel. You meet new people. You know, you, you, you film outdoors. You get to be outdoors. So there's something more lively about doing film in that aspect that ultimately, after 17 years of theater, it got hard for me to constantly put on, and I did a lot of dramas, and a lot of tragedies. In fact, in most of my plays, I either died at the end or committed suicide. Like, I did the really heavy stuff. You know, I did Yerma, who, like, strangled her husband at the end of the, of the play. Um, I played Ophelia, who commits suicide. Uh, I played um, Val oh, and really? Fen. You know, I did all the, you know, Maggie from, you know, After the Fall, which is based on Marilyn Monroe. She dies. At the yeah. end. Like, I played <laughs> all these crazy dramatic roles and I had to be able to bring that emotion every time and after years of doing that I was saying after years of doing that I I felt like I needed to do film and and kind of be more out in the world and and have roles that change more often and are more dynamic for me Ryan as you said with the difference between them one of them you can't go back and try to fix this, you got to kind of right. like move forward, just like this radio yeah. show where it wants to <laughs> act up on Shelly and I. 
for some apparent reason, we were starting out good, but that's all right. We're going to keep this thing going. You see how we just, we jump right back on in there. Bam. We back on, we back on set. Right. <laughs> but now I did. I love, when I was doing it in college, I had to play the role of Angelina Jolie in, um, oh, well, all of a sudden my mind goes blank when I'm trying to think of these movies. As much as I watch TV where she was in the psychiatric ward, um, I had to oh, play her role. Yes, girl. Yes. And and yeah. it was so difficult because it was like, I'm trying to let me see. I got the role of Angelina Jolie. Let me try now. You know, I'm going to mess up the role. You're trying to, trying to have your That's face right. It was, and I had it down packed. Like, I felt like I was Angelina Jolie. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to get an Oscar award for this. But I, I felt it. And, like, we had the clothes and everything. We betrayed with the needles. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's fun when you're doing theater plays because, like you said, you get to see your audience faces. You get to feel their emotion with you. And you can right. really see it, but you don't, you don't know what anyone's expression is on camera, like, dang, I hope the, I hope they, they like me, but you don't know because because you're on you camera, honestly, like you, you don't even, you don't even know what it's gonna look like. You know, there are right. three people that write write a film: the writer writes oh. the film, the director, okay. and the editor. And okay. you do not know what the editor is going to choose. The editor, let's say you did six takes, he, the ed, he or she has to choose between this take, this take, or this take. And then cut it all together. You you have no control in film as an actor, unless you're one of the producers, of course, in what it's going to look like at the end. They could take your scene, for instance, in in um, transparent. They took my scene and they put it in two episodes, or uh, you know, or and I've had I, I'm very fortunate that I've never had my scenes cut. Thank God. But I have had friends who have worked on a movie and they were in five scenes and then at the end, the you know, their scenes didn't work with the overall message of the film or for whatever reason, they were cut out and suddenly they only had one scene in the whole film. And you have no control. Right, right. You know, I was just thinking that, Shelley, when you said that, is that why most films, when you get them on DVD now, they have like the unedited version and then they'll show you at right. the end this is what was supposed to happen. And I'm like, okay, why right. you just didn't show that part then? I don't want to see the, I don't want to see the part where you edit that. Give me the raw footage. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> they did that on the movie, um, um, Get Out, where they showed the end. Okay, well, this is how it's supposed to go. He went off the channel. I'm like, why you didn't show that part? That feel like that could have been better. I was, because it felt like me, reality. Okay, you go to jail for murdering somebody, but okay, right. so, yeah, that's, that is frustrating, but thank goodness, like you said, it didn't do your part like that, but that has to be frustrating. Right, most thank God. That hasn't, that hasn't happened yet. Right. I've actually been, it's, with me, it's really strange. I've been very fortunate because I usually come on a set and I have a role that's maybe not, that's like a medium-sized role, and then somehow I'll, I'll connect with the director and I'll, you know, I'll have a good time and I'll bring my A game. And the next day they'll be like, you know what, we wrote another scene for you. You know what, I want you to say this. And you know, I mean, when I, my first film, The Devil's Arithmetic, I originally had a supporting role with uh, the scene of me getting married and a few other little scenes. And I don't know, they, they, they loved my look, they loved my acting, they, I don't know, they, maybe they liked my smile, I don't know why. Connection, I worked hard, 
I brought my, you know, my best work, and then every mm-hmm. other day they would just add more lines to my speech, to my character. They're like, oh, we're going to have you do this. Oh, we wrote another scene for you. Oh, and every time there was a line that was supposed to be said by somebody, but, you know, like an, like what? You know, sometimes there's lines that don't belong to a character, like a random person says. They're like, Shelly's going to say that. Shelly's going to say that. Shelly's going to say that. And they built my, my role into a co-star role to the point where okay. if, you know, if you look at the credits, I mean, it's like, you know, Louise, it's like Kristen Dunst, Brittany Murphy, Louise Fletcher, all these big people. And then me, you know, I'm right up there with, with, with the stars of the film. And I think that, you know, that's why I'm saying that like, you don't really have control in film. Um, and that's why it's a director's medium the director gets to decide what the director and the editor get to decide what the audience sees. And it's, it's really, it's so different from theater. It's actually very interesting when you think about it, like how different the, these things are. Oh, I bet it is. Now you not take my short commercial break, but this conversation, I'm not going to do that. That's why I say the benefits of doing your own thing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's awesome. Um, Shelly, but I guess I want to ask this um, just by you acting like, do you ever think that you may could have done a bit better in any particular role? Oh, always. <laughs> Every role. <laughs> Every single role. If, if I believe that it, that artists in general always see the mistakes they, they made. If, if somebody comes off the set and says, I was amazing, I was perfect, then maybe they're not so self-aware. Listen, we're human. Humans are not perfect. Sometimes, you know, which is what the hardest thing is for me is imperfection because I'm a Virgo and Virgos are notoriously perfectionists and to the point of driving their friends crazy. Um, and I've learned as an adult because I'm in my 30s now, um, but boy, when I was in my 20s, I was hard on myself. I, I've learned as an adult to let go of, of being perfect because here's the interesting contradiction here. Sometimes it's actually the imperfections in the scene that make it interesting because it's the imperfections that show your humanity because humans are not perfect. But, yes, every single film that I've done, I can tell you, I mean, even The Devil's Arithmetic, which everybody was, you know, I got a lot of rave reviews and all that. I can, I can point to you right now if we sat and watched the movie, I'll be like, well, that wasn't good enough and that wasn't good enough and that wasn't good enough. And I can tell you exactly, and we're talking about, many years later. I can tell you exactly why that didn't work that day. And that's how much I remember. I remember exactly why I couldn't get to that right space at the time. If you speak to the director, she'd probably disagree with you because otherwise she wouldn't have used that specific take in the film, right? Um, right. Obviously the director, obviously she liked it, but as, a, as an artist and as, as an actress, I can see the you know, the, the problems in my performance. And I think that's natural. I think that most, most people can. I think we always strive to be better, uh, that part of growing as an artist. Um, and I've learned, you know, as I'm an adult, to see the problem and be okay with it being there. And, and just say, that's okay. That's part of living that moment, you know. Exactly, and it's amazing how you said mentioned about perfectionism. We talked about that on my affirmation calls today when my mentor did, and he was talking about like the seven reasons perfectionism is like really a bad thing. And it's a terrible. I mean, because 
It is, and because you you're never done. Um, as he was saying, you're such as like he was saying with film, you'll never you'll never be done. Because if you keep going, it's always going to be something done with that film, something else that you need to do with that film, something else you might need to do with that song. So you're you're never actually done, but you just have to, you know, you got to complete. Okay, that's it. It, it sounds good. Right. It's wonderful. You if, got if, I, if I ever was the director of myself in a movie, I'd never release it. <laughs> if I ever directed myself, I'd be like, nope, that acting is terrible. I'd never release it because we're perfectionists. And let me tell you this. I mean, you know, people are proud of being perfectionists because there's a certain pride in making things perfect. But perfectionism also stops you from progress because you have to take into consideration that in order to learn, you and you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone, right? You have yeah. to try something new in order to grow. And if you try something new, it's not going to be perfect. The first time right. you make you make a dish, a, a, a delicious cake, it's not going to be perfect because you're going to need to try it out first. And I think for many years, even back in the days when I did theater, you know, I really wanted to get into comedy when I was doing theater in Israel, and I was such a perfectionist, and I hadn't done it in so many years that I wasn't willing to, I was like, no, I, I probably won't be good at this, so I'm just not going to try. And right. a lot of my directors would say to me, I, I, remember, I won't forget, there was this one director who, um, and this is, we were in rehearsal, and uh, we were rehearsing on a stage that they had already set up for a, a play that was running in the evenings while we were rehearsing, rehearsing during the day. And there was a square drawn on the floor for where a specific table needs to go. And the square must have been, I don't know, uh, two meters by two meters. And she said to me, Shelly, stand on the edge of that square and jump to the other edge. And I looked at her and I said, and I said, okay. And I went back a few feet and I came to run up. She goes, no, 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 you can't run up. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you can't run up. You have to stand here and jump to here. And I said, no, I can't do that. She goes, try. I said, no, I can't. She goes, try. I said, no, I can't. And I would not do it. And she goes, here, let me show you. And she jumped. And it wasn't perfect, but she made it. And she said, see, now you try. I said, no, I can't. <laughs> and she said to me, that's your problem. That's it. You're afraid to fail. And that's what perfectionism does. So I think we all need to let go of perfectionism and just just strive towards excellence but not perfection. Right. Well, one thing I will have to say, regardless if people call you a perfectionist, you definitely do take risk, and a lot of professors don't take the risk. Um, and right. there were some more things. Uh, what else? He gave us, he said, you're always stressed and discontent. Um if you it robs you of your creativity and you end up becoming a people's pleaser, highly critical of other people, and seven, it keeps you from delegating. And I was like, wow. It, oh, that's so now, true. I have to learn to delegate. That's so true. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Shelly, I might have to send you that little information because we do it every morning. It's a wonderful <laughs> group and it's very powerful and as I tell people it costs you nothing to get value all you have to do is call in and get this powerful information it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur 
actor or whatever field you in yeah, out here. Yeah, please just send it my way. Information. I sure will. And and when you said I said that message was meant, you know, um, I, I love it. I do. I get my I get my motivation just from doing that. Now, you work. I'm sure you work with a lot of directors, Shelley. What have you actually learned from directors that you have worked with throughout your career? Um, I would say pretty much everything that I've learned has been from directors. Um, there's a specific theater director called uh, George Militniau, um, back mm-hmm. in Israel, um, who, I mean, I owe a lot of my understanding in my career to him because he had the patience to go through, you know, when I moved to Israel, um, my I had grown up in London, so my Hebrew wasn't great. And he had the patience to really explain the meaning behind every single sentence that I said because it was enough that I didn't understand one word properly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so I wouldn't understand the whole sentence. I'd think that the word meant one thing, and so I'd give the sentence a specific meaning, and then it wouldn't. I learned a ton from him, but I mean – everything you learn you everybody that you meet that you work with you learn even if it even if it wasn't a great experience you learn what you don't like or what you you know you know what i'm saying um i've i learned a lot from rehearsals um in theater because what's interesting about rehearsals is that um you actually learn with the director the process of creating a character so when I come into film today, I have all these tools of, of you know, um, how to personalize it, how to work on my body language, how to work on where I'm speaking from. You know, some, some people speak from their stomachs, right? They have this kind of, which is where I speak from. But because they're, they're just, you know, maybe they, they're a little bit um, insecure or maybe they're, you know, and there's, there's different places from which you bring the tone. So even where your voice comes from, how you walk, uh, what you wear, the things you say. Um, if you look at the script, who are the people you're talking to? Why are you talking to them specifically? All of the analytical aspects of creating a character, I learned from the directors that I worked with in, in the, during the rehearsals. Because yeah. you have two months where they talk to you and they say, hey, well, did you think about the sentence? Why is she saying the sentence? Why is she talking to this character? Did you, and then I have this really cool trick for uh, actors. What I like to do, and I, I actually kind of figured this out myself because it, I did this play where, um, God, it was uh, after the fall. It's such a challenging role. I, I, it, after the fall is um, um, by Arthur Miller, who was at a point married to Marilyn Monroe. And after the fall is speaks uh, about his three marriages, and a large chunk of that is Marilyn Monroe. And it was such a complicated role because every scene she was so different, and I was overwhelmed. So this trick that I do is I write out all the lines from a script that are just my character. I don't write the replies that other people say, just my character. Just the lines, it doesn't even matter what the scenes are. They're outside, inside, it doesn't matter. And when you start looking at the lines, you start to see patterns. You see, oh, she said this word twice. 
oh, she's mentioned this house before. Oh, why is she, why is she defending herself here? Because you're not seeing somebody attacking her. You're only seeing her defending herself because you're only seeing her lines. And suddenly you start to see patterns and their personality pops out a lot faster. And I think that's something that I learned during the rehearsals because I, I wanted to understand the character more. So, I mean, directors, yeah, you, that's where you, hopefully that's, you know, you'll get to work with directors that give you that, you know, that, that right. are able to have the conversation and explain and really delve into the depths of the character with you. That's important. I'm, I'm really, I'm a director's actor. Like, I, I bring what I bring to the table. I do my work. Right. I, bring, I, bring it, I bring it on set. I know what my character is, but I love working with the director. I, I love getting feedback and, and discussing things. And, because, you know, any, any character can be, can be seen in, in 7,000 different ways. You can play the same role. If I played the same role as another actress, we wouldn't be the same role because we're different people, yeah. you know. So I really love to understand from the director what they're looking for, you know. And it's really funny. People are surprised when they work with me because I'm very, like, outspoken as a person. Yeah. So they so they don't necessarily think that they can just tell me what to do. And then we get on set, and I'm like, please just tell me what you want. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, tell me what you want. What do you need? And then as we start working, they're like, oh, my God, I can just tell you what I want and you'll do it? I'm like, yeah, uh, that's what actors do. And they're like, oh, wow, that's so easy. Can you do this and this and this? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> so I really love but working with directors. Exactly. It's a goal. Well, you could definitely tell that you have matured as an, uh, as an actor. Do you think that you have that potential to carry a film on your shoulders if it led to it where you could direct it and everything? direct the film I, I mean I could act in the film as a lead role <laughs> directing I know that's a totally different ballpark directing because it's yeah. like okay no I mean I definitely look I've, I've already I did it in theater I've uh, mm. had many lead roles in theater um, like plays that are like three hours long and I carried them on my shoulder so I definitely think that I can do that with a, a feature film. And, I mean, thank God right. they could do that. So I better be ready. <laughs> I have no choice. <laughs> yeah, phoning it in is going to be my first official lead in a feature film, you know? Right. That's going to well, be very cool. Well, Shelly, I have this one question that people are wondering about. How does one go about getting into the acting business for themselves? Ooh. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> That's a tough question, you know, because people think, oh, you just go to L.A. and get some headshots and you'll be discovered. But every time that you hear of a new actor, I can promise you they've spent at least five years in L.A. before you ever Ooh. heard of them. You know, it takes time. There's no easy solution, I say, and I don't mean mm-hmm. like, you know, a class once a week for two months. You know, eight classes yeah. is not going to make you an actor. I say study. I, I actually have a degree in theater studies. I studied for three years, 16 hours a day, six or seven days a week. I would literally put my phone on a timer 
and go to sleep for 20 minutes during my dinner break because I was that exhausted because we didn't get to sleep. Wow. Because after 16 hours, we also had homework. So we'd sleep like four hours and then a nap 20 minutes during my lunch break. So, I mean, dedication is part of it. Just like, you know, a doctor goes and studies, right? Uh, an archaeologist, uh, an architect, a journalist, you go study. Same with, same with acting. You got to learn it. You have to go see films. You have to go see theater, do rehearsals. You have to study. You have to read plays. You have to read scripts. And then once you've studied, then you can, you know, get headshots and, and talk to, uh, uh, do a, maybe do a few short films so that you can put together a reel of your work because people want to see that. And then once you have the headshots and the reel, then you can speak to an agent, and then you can go to auditions. But I think, you know, the more you know going in, the more you have to offer as an actor. I've seen people that, you know, maybe came to L.A. and by chance got this one role, and it was, you know, they didn't really have much experience, and they, you know, did well with the role, but then they never got cast again. You know, because they were perfect for that specific role because they had studied and they hadn't, you know, widened their understanding of what it is to create different characters. They then went to a bunch of auditions for other characters and And it wasn't working. And I'm glad you just mentioned that too, Shella, because that was going to be my next question. It was, is it hard to really like get another job after you get that one role? Because I have heard of child actresses, like, they'll be good and certain films that I even grew up on watching. But then after that, that's it. It's not like, okay, you was cute then. But now, as you said, you have to portray a different role in all films. And this is what these directors are looking for. Can you play this action film? Can you play this love scene? Are you willing to probably take off your clothes in this thing? You know, all these roles change. And if you're not what they're looking for, then I'm sure it is very hard to really get out there. Um, Shelly, and before we actually leave, I want to ask, what is a good age to really begin to pursue your acting career? Well, it depends what you mean by pursue. I mean, I I started at nine. I think a good age is whenever okay. you want to do it. The day you have that okay. bug, do it. But that doesn't mean pursue doesn't mean start going to auditions. You know, you can start pursuing right. your acting by taking some classes and you know, seeing some films or seeing some plays or learning books, ease into it. So it's important to have a childhood. So I know a lot of child actors, you know, they start and they become really, really famous at a really young age, and that can mm-hmm. also be tough. Um, right. Some some can handle it, some can't. Some can. um, you know, and, and we see that later in puberty when they start, you know, kind of coming off the rails, but I think if you want to do it, you start pursuing it the day you want to do it. You just don't necessarily have to move to L.A. and start working in feature films. You can start just by doing some classes or just doing some theater or maybe doing some local projects for smaller films and easing into it. But if you have a passion, I mean, there's no point stopping yourself from pursuing that passion. That's why, and that's what one of my guests told me. He said, don't think you can just go to Hollywood and you're going to get it. Start in your own backyard. But, Shelly, I want to thank you so much for taking out your time. I cannot wait to see your new film. 
come out because um, I love indie films. I do. I admire them because of the creativity that they put behind them. And Thank I, you. I'm, I'm waiting for that. And I'm going to definitely check out your online talk show, um, most definitely. Thank you. But before I leave, before I leave Shelly and my listeners, I want to leave you with the truth of the day from my friend and former guest, Mary Ellen Signovich. Miracles happen every day when you change your perception. Miracles are natural occurrence and can happen daily when your perceptions change. Um, and every second of every day, you can make a conscious choice to see things differently. Society teaches miracles are big occurrences that rarely happen. Actually, the verse is the truth. Miracles are daily occurrences and can happen at any moment by any one of us when we choose differently. Today, create your own miracle. Choose differently. Enjoy the day, everyone. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Bright Side with Technicia. I'll see you the next time. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com.